We have been doing a series in Hebrews chapter 11, and I invite you to turn there on page 1,284. Series on living by faith. The name of our church is Faith Presbyterian Church, and that name was decided, I don't don't even know precisely whether it was exactly 30 years ago, or or Carrie could tell us, but a little more, a little more than that even, okay. Um, Nonetheless, though, it is Faith Church, and we are looking at Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter that deals at length with the subject of, of faith. Last week we, we looked at, we began looking at the life of Abraham and looked at two examples of his faith, how he, how he left his homeland to go to a, an unknown land, a promised land, but an un, unknown land to him. And also how he trusted God to provide an heir in the person of his son Isaac. We want to look further at the faith, life and faith of, of Abraham. So I'll begin with verses 1 and 2, found on page 1283, and then we'll look at verses 17 through 22. Now faith is the... Actually, let's read the whole, whole of it up through 22. Why not? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation... By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she, was considered, she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, 
for he has prepared for them a city. Now our sermon text proper. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering, offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. And by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. May God add the blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Shall we pray? Lord, we do ask for your blessing this morning. We ask that you would help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, help us to walk in the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you imagine that God asking you to sacrifice your son or your daughter? I know that when we read or when we read Genesis 22, that's the part that we struggle with, that we get hung up over. How could God ask Abraham to do something that on the face of it sounds wrong? To sacrifice his son, which sounds like murder, sounds barbaric even. And if we were to think of Hannah, who was asked to sacrifice her son Samuel in a different way, well, that sounds a little bit better, does it not? She was, asking, she was asked to, to dedicate her son Samuel to serve as a priest from a very young age in the house of God. That sounds difficult, but not morally problematic. She's not literally killing her son. She isn't making a great sacrifice to give him up at such a young age. But to offer Isaac up sounds like a violation of one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. But God did ask Abraham to do that. But Abraham did not kill his son Isaac. And as it turned out, though clearly he was preparing to do so, if God would ask him to do that, Our writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 17, By faith Abraham, when tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. He was in the act of doing it. But he didn't have to do it by the grace of God. Another question that we may have or struggle as well is how can our writer call Isaac Abraham's only son when clearly Ishmael, who was 13 years older, was a son of Abraham? But Isaac was Abraham's only son by his wife, Sarah. Yes, he had Ishmael by the maidservant, Hagar. And after Sarah died, he had other sons as well. But Isaac was the only son of Abraham and Sarah. And he was born to them when they were supposedly too old to have babies. But they had received this promise from God that they would have a child. Abraham was 75 to 85 years old when this came. And they had to wait until Abraham was 100 years old before Isaac was born. 
He was a very special baby to them. We might say he was a miracle baby because he was conceived so late in life to them. This child who was born against all odds, whose name was Laughter, and was now being, Abraham was being asked to sacrifice him. Can you imagine that? How difficult that would be. The death of Isaac would have meant the death of God's promise. God had told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. But here he hasn't, isn't he able to have one son? How will this come to pass? The writer to the Hebrews says in verse 18 of chapter 11, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Quoting from Genesis 21, verse 12. Genesis, the book of beginnings. There is a significant difference between Christianity and Islam in many, many ways. But one of the differences is that Islam claims that Abraham attempted to sacrifice Ishmael, not Isaac. But Ishmael was not the child of the promise. Isaac was. And it was only through Isaac that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. The writer to the Hebrews draws this conclusion about Abraham in, in verse 19 of chapter 11. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. What a great test of faith that Abraham faced at this moment. And perhaps this morning that you are facing some kind of test of faith, and if you're not today, I'm sure you will soon, some sort of test of your faith, where you have to make a decision, will I trust God? Will I believe Him? Will I believe His Word? Or will I take matters into my own hands? What a great test of faith Abraham faces. But faith is as faith does. It's easy to say that you believe something. It's far more difficult to act out according to your beliefs, at least what you say. Faith is as faith does. And this story from Genesis 22 is mentioned explicitly here in Hebrews 11, but it's also mentioned explicitly in James chapter 2, verses 21 and following. Was not Abraham our father justified by works, James writes, when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Some have said that Paul is in contradiction with James here. Paul says that a person is justified by faith and faith alone. And James says that Abraham is justified by works. But we need to ask ourselves if the writers are using the word justification in exactly the same way, in the same sense. And I suggest to you that they're they're not. James continues, You see that faith was active along with works, and faith was completed by his works. And Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Earlier, James had written, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Our works are the evidence of our faith. We live out what we believe through our works. And Abraham proved that he trusted God by his willingness to offer Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice. 
How is God calling you to trust him this morning? In which circumstances are you finding it most difficult to wait on God's promises? Can you trust his goodness? Can you believe his wisdom even when you don't understand it? It's not likely to be as dramatic as Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. But God purifies our faith in the refiner's fire even as he purified Abraham's faith. In fact, recalling the words that we read earlier in Genesis 22, verse 5, Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship again and, and come again to you. And come again to you. If we take Abraham's words at their face value, Abraham believed that he and Isaac would return to those men. And there are a couple of ways of interpreting this. One is that God would raise Isaac from the dead after Abraham sacrificed him. If that's the case, if that's the understanding, then this would be the first statement of belief in the resurrection of the dead in the Bible. But alternatively, it could mean that God would supply a substitute sacrifice instead of Isaac, which is what happened. For in Genesis 22, verse 8, we hear Abraham speaking these words to Isaac. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went of them together. And then later on, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham did not have to offer his son. God provided a substitute. But God himself did have to offer his one and only son as a substitute for us. That's the gospel, the good news. The debt that we could not pay ourselves, God paid for us through his son, Jesus. It was the ultimate fulfillment of Abraham's words. Not that Abraham would have understood them in that precise way. But Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. And God did through Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you know yourself this morning to be in need of the cleansing blood of Jesus to take away your sins? Can you say with confidence that Christ died for my sins? Have you experienced the assurance of forgiveness that comes only through faith in Christ and not through your own works? Paul wrote in Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Abraham was still waiting on God's promises when he died. He died as he lived, looking to the future, trusting in God's provision. What about us? Will we live and die this way, waiting on God's promises, trusting in his timing? God required a great act of faith on Abraham's part. And not only did God require Abraham to wait on his promise and trust in his provision, but his next descendant did as well. He required this of Abraham's son, Isaac. The writer of the Hebrews says in verse 20, By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Isaac not only survived the ordeal with his father Abraham and watched God supply that ram for the sacrifice, 
But he grew up himself waiting on God's promises, looking for God's provision. At the end of Isaac's life, he is still waiting on God's promise during a time of famine. The promise given to Abraham is confirmed to his son Isaac in Genesis 26. Sojourn on in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands, God said to Isaac. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. And I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now don't get me wrong. Neither Abraham nor Isaac were perfect. Far from it. All you have to do is read through Genesis and you'll see all of their shortcomings up close and personal. They, needed to, they too needed to receive the cleansing blood of the Lamb. And even the sacrifice that they offered at that time of the Ram was a recognition that they were sinners in need of sacrifice. But their lives are marked by faith. The assurance of things hoped for, the writer to the Hebrews says. The conviction of things not seen. They must listen to God's promises and obey God, trusting God to provide for them. And at the end of his life, Isaac can't see well, very well at all. And his younger son, Jacob, tricks him into giving, along with his mother's help, tricks him into giving the blessing of the firstborn that should have gone to Esau, to Jacob. God moves in a mysterious way and chooses not the firstborn, the expected one, but Jacob, the secondborn, the younger one, to receive the blessing in spite of his trickery, in spite of his conniving. And Isaac's blessing to Jacob is this. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth, Genesis 27, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Isaac also was still waiting the day... His descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He was still waiting, just like Abraham was, Isaac was, when he died. He was waiting for the day when his descendants would inherit the promised land and not just sojourn there, not just be exiles there. What about you? Which promises of God are you waiting for? Which are you clinging to in difficult times? We're not looking to inherit a physical land in Palestine. But we are waiting on God's covenant promises. We're trusting and believing His promises that He will be our God and we will be His people. That He will be with us whatever we face in this life. That He will never leave you nor forsake you. These are some of the promises, the covenant promises that we must cling to. Abraham and Isaac were looking for a better country a heavenly one we saw last week. And so are we. They live by faith, trusting God as they died in faith, waiting for God to fulfill His promises. And we too are waiting for a heavenly home. We're waiting for the new heavens and the new earth. We're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ in this day and age that we live in. God required Abraham to wait. And then God required 
the next generation, Isaac, to wait. And then God required the generation after that, Jacob, to wait on his promises and trust in his provision. And we read that in verse 21 of chapter 11. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. God is working from one generation to the next, requiring that each generation walk by faith, though, and not by sight. Jacob, we know, had 12 sons. The family is growing. The tribe is growing. The nation is growing. But Joseph was not the firstborn son. Reuben was. God is working his sovereign will again in his own ways through Abraham's family line. But it's not in the unexpected ways. The blessings come to those who receive them by faith according to God's choosing and not merely by physical descent from Abraham. God's purposes are not our purposes. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our ways. We must trust him from the beginning of our lives to the middle to the end. Jacob blessed his grandchildren at the end of his life, he, but he gave again the greater blessing to the younger one, Ephraim. In fact, Joseph, who was there, was, was trying to correct the position of the hand so that the, the blessing with the right hand would go to Manasseh, the older one. But he would not do it. But his father refused, we read in Genesis 48, and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. And Jacob wanted to be buried in the promised land, the land of Canaan, and not in Egypt, just as Abraham and Isaac were buried there. Sometimes, often, we must wait a long time to see God's promises fulfilled. Sometimes, we must wait even longer than our lifetime to see it. Before we see God's ultimate fulfillment of promises, God's people had to wait centuries for the coming of the Messiah Jesus, the Lamb of God that Abraham had mentioned even. We know his name to be Jesus. We with them are still waiting though as exiles, waiting for a better country, a new heaven and a new earth trusting in his promises, walking by faith and not by sight in all kinds of ways, trusting the promise that God will build his church, that Jesus will build his church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, even as these are difficult days for God's church here in North America. Are you, by the grace of God, waiting on God's timing, trusting him even when it doesn't seem to make sense to you, if you're not experiencing that today, you will one day, I'm sure, have to, to wrestle with that. Trusting him, even when it's difficult. It doesn't make sense. You don't understand why, what's happening. Isaiah, the prophet, said this, quoted God as saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Isaiah 55:8. What seems like a long way to us is not long for God. Have you ever been on a road trip with small children? I'm sure most of you have. You, you know the question they asked. Are we there yet? How many more miles? And what can seem, what, what's not necessarily a long drive to an adult can seem like eternity to a child. So it is with God and with us. 
Our perspective is that things are awfully long. It's taking an awfully long time. You're being awfully slow here, God, in fulfilling your promises. But will we trust him and obey him, even when we don't understand his ways, when we don't understand his thoughts? Generation to generation has to trust God. First, Abraham had to walk by faith and not by sight. And then Isaac also had to trust his promises not having seen the fulfillment of them, and walk by sight, by faith and not by sight. And then Jacob had to walk by faith and not by sight. And then the next generation, Joseph, has to walk by faith and not by sight. No one gets a free pass. All must live by faith through the trials of this life. And we read of Joseph's life very briefly in verse, verse 22 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Joseph, that's where the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, ends. It ends in Genesis 50 with Joseph giving instructions about his bones as he dies. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph had lived most of his life in exile in Egypt after his first 17 years. That's where the book of Genesis ends. But having introduced us to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and lastly to Joseph, we find all of them still waiting on God's promises when they died. Still waiting. They hadn't received the fulfillment. God calls us to wait. It's one of the hardest things in life. Is that how you will live your life? Waiting on God's promises, believing his word. However many days God gives you, Trusting and obeying God. That's where the story ends in Genesis. But that's not where the story ends. Future generations are holding on to God's promises. I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When Moses departed from Egypt in fulfillment of Joseph's request, as God delivered them from their slavery in Egypt, He took the bones of of Joseph with him. Moses took the bones of Joseph, we read in Exodus 13, 19. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Clinging to the promises of God that he would give them the promised land, but looking even beyond that to a better land. The king of Egypt had utterly forgotten who Joseph was. But Moses had remembered God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he remembered Joseph's bones as well. And when Moses was unable to carry the bones of Joseph into the promised land, the task fell to Joshua, Moses' assistant, and to his followers. And so finally, when we get to the end of Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 24, we read, As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from from the sons of Hamor. 
for the, the father of Shechem for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. But the story goes on from there. The promised land ultimately was given to God's people. But this land pointed to greater realities, to the heavenly realities. And we are waiting for a better land today. We are living as exiles here, waiting for a better land, the new heavens and the new earth, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. That's the promise that we're waiting for and claiming today. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Abraham was right. God would provide the Lamb. But this Lamb not only died, but He was raised from the dead, and He lives forevermore, and He's coming again. Whatever challenges that you are facing here today, walk by faith and not by sight. Trust in God's promises. Wait for His timing and obey Him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Shall we pray? Lord, we marvel at what you ask Abraham to do, to sacrifice his son, or at least to prepare to do so. And you provided at the very last minute. And Lord, we marvel as well at how long you make your people wait that the promises were not fulfilled in, in Abraham's time, even as he faced death. But you provided a son, an heir, Isaac. And we marvel, Lord, at the faith of Isaac as he walked by faith and not by sight, and yet the promise was not fulfilled as he died. And Lord, we marvel that you work from generation to generation and you, you ask each generation anew to walk by faith and not by sight, to take you at your word, to wait on your promises. And that's how Jacob died. And Lord, his son Joseph as well was required to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's how he died. And Lord, each generation to this day of your people are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, help us to be such a people that trusts you, that waits on your promises even when they are not fulfilled even in our lifetime. Lord, whatever season of life we find ourselves in, whatever circumstances we find ourselves, help us to trust you, to wait on your promises, and to walk by faith and not by sight. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen.